Sonic underscore Gino. We have made it once again to the wrestling journalist. I'm a wrestling journalist, okay? I've been listening to wrestling podcasts. I've been reading the wrestling news sites, all right? I've done everything except interview one of these wrestlers to consider myself a wrestling journalist. And I'm sure one day with us realizing that this needs to be our moniker as wrestling journalists, we will have multiple interviews with real professional wrestlers, be it independents or even on the main stage of AEW and WWE. So many wrestlers. Like, that's all I want to do is talk to wrestlers. You know, I want to get in their heads. I want to know what makes them tick. How did you become this way? Like, like I, I can do that. I, I honestly, to, to break kayfabe, you know, that sounds awful to me. I don't know why. Like, trying to interview a wrestler, like, and because... I, I, I like the mis- I know I listen to all this behind the scenes stuff and like you know I've I listened to enough Conrad and I've listened to enough of uh, who else like you know who else do I listen to that's about it I guess Kevin and like just just trying to be the I don't know wrestling journalists it sounds so douchey like even when we watch those this Denise Salcedo videos on Ke- on the whole fucking show or when we watch stuff with GOC I'm like oh who does that for real like I like what Kevin and I do because we're just ripping on it and we're not trying to be in it. And I think like a lot of people get in it, like Steven Larson are in it, you know, and I don't want to be that. I don't, and I can't listen to that for very long. And I could best do it forever. Cause like, here's the thing, I've become like a fan <laughs> of knowing what's on the backstage. Cause again, you and I, we love Brian Myers and he's been, again, he was with Dirty for so many years in the developmental system. He knew the whole ins and outs, just like Doc Gallows, my boy. So like, we could tell all these stories and know what really is going on. There's some stories I'm sure they haven't told yet that they've been just hiding and just waiting until someone actually does ask them specifically, Hey, tell us more about your time during like OVW, FCW and on the main roster where they weren't even using you. What would you ask? Is it because hasn't he already answered those questions? Like Brian Myers talks about being on main event, and Vince McMahon has a TV in his office when he, uh, and you know that he's watching those seven minute matches on main event before the show starts, and you want to go out there and have your best matches on main event. So I don't know. I feel like we know what Brian Myers. Like why is Brian Myers the name that you think of when we say that? Like when I think of it, I think of people who were there for like so many years, like again, Brian Myers and my old guy, Luke Gallows. He was there for a long time in that developmental system and then knowing how WWE is, especially now that he's back and he could see like how it all has changed. I would love to hear like his perspective now that the system has completely changed and all these people are no longer there that were holding him back from his potential as the biggest big man in wrestling. Oh man, I don't know, Gino. I don't know if that's I don't know if I'm with you on that. It sounds awful. Like it sounds weird like trying to get trying to get that from a Luke Gallows like oh because I'm sure he's already been on an interview where he said that so how would me doing it be different like it wouldn't be different Gina how can you give a hundred bucks to Mace what the hell I came I I I'm on I'm living my life Friday you know I was off from work with the, the day after Thanksgiving I was trying to watch Smackdown it started late and then I got a FaceTime so I didn't get to watch the entire program but I'm getting messages from everybody saying that Gino gave a hundred dollars to Mache so when was this? And I know that you guys talked about it on Friday. I got to hear some of it. I was even on uh, for SmackDown's third hour for those who are like, what? You were? Uh, go to uh, go to HaveGrit.club for more details on that. But, you know, you gave money to Mace. How come you didn't, like, give money to your mom as, like, rent? What happened? Oh, and here's the thing. At the time, I actually was doing that. I was giving money to her, and then I had, like, money to spare. I was like, I don't really want anything. Right now, really, I want to give. And knowing Brennan, like I do with my close personal friend, and our discussions we've had, I was like, you know what? I do want to support him and support his $3 and his beautiful wife. So I was like, you know what? $100 help support him every few months that I could be able to give that. I was like, perfect A idea. A few months? To give back. So it was more it than was, once. I was Patreon. 
Yeah, multiple times. It was on Patreon. So you were getting tons of exclusive and awesome content from Brennan. And when you're doing it on Patreon, you're probably only giving him like $70 when you look at Patreon fees. So, wow, Gino. So you were giving a lot of money to our friend, our friend Mache. What did you get in return? Right, here's what I got in return. It's something very nice. Okay, so first was a nice t-shirt, you know, a good old t-shirt that's not available anymore. You can't get you these great black otaku sheet t-shirts. Do you have it? Where is it? When we super kicked you it's, right in the face. So I have a Shogun shirt. Sadly, all the Shogun stuff is not available. It's not any of his old stuff. So it's completely exclusive now. No one has it anymore. I also did, again, have good discussions with him during his streams, like outside the streams, like when he cuts it off because there are some people who are would get their streams canceled if they were on stream talking about the shit they would talk about. So again, there were discussions I had and just like be able to support him. Again, that's no big thing to me is I just wanted to help support him and his family. Patreon at least gives you more than you would if you like donate through fucking, uh, what's the normal thing people use on Twitch. Like bits are, you get apps like 50% or even less than that. You get fucking, uh, stream labs gets you like only like 25% that gets taken out. So like, I think, Patreon at least is a little bit more you get than like the other two avenues they could. So have you done got a time. shirt? I mean, you know, I don't, like a shirt for a hundred bucks. What did he do with the money? That's what he did with the money. He was able to help support his family. That's my whole big thing. Is I wouldn't help support his family. They were able to had some great discussions with both him and his wife too. Sierra's a great woman. Great how, person. Do, how do you know that? Because like, because you know, sometimes I get money. It's not like I'm supporting my family. Like I got some cables here for the for the computers out here. Really, their main function is going to be if I want to watch UFC or anything illegally on the big TV right here, I need to get this monitor to then go to this TV. So I got that computer that Kevin sent me, which, again, not supporting my family with that. Um, and he sent me – oh, there's only one of the cables in here. Oh, that's not – that's that's upsetting. There's only one cable in here, Gino. I ordered two. So, like, that's not really supporting anything. I mean, I just – I want to watch UFC out here on this TV. Um, so I use money for that. So how do you know he didn't buy like drugs or, or alcohol? I mean, that's a good question. I don't know what he did with the money, but all I know is that at the time it was being given to him and his family, and I wanted to support them. And then there were times where I would just like donate during his streams, which that was during like times when he would have actual like, charities like going on for like a goal that they had for charity work. So I didn't mind supporting that as well. But I first wanted like do what I could to support and help his family too, because again, I genuinely do care and want to support Brent. He's a great guy. Great wife that he has, a great family. And what I'm do you think his thoughts are? That he's finally being pushed and being. I was going to ask you, what do you think his thoughts are on Mache? Like, what do you think? Like, you've talked to him for years. Like, do you think him as a maximum male model? This is what he wanted, or this is what he hoped for? Like, there's finally a spot for him because I wondered that retribution stuff was awful, and I was wondering like what was the, like what would they do with this big guy with a good body, good look. Why is the only thing we have from retribution? Uh, maximum male models, although silly, I think is the kind of thing that gets over. And, I, and I, I'm behind it for now. Um, what do you, how do you think he feels? From what I can tell, again, and I do know like some of it is him doing it in character, but from what I can tell, especially knowing Fred and the man, he is enjoying this character and what he's able to do, especially like in, right now only having like the stuff on YouTube. So it is like limiting some of the stuff, but also gives them more freedom to embrace these characters. Because again, he and have been friends for years. Man, he's a great guy as well. And them like making little inside jokes, like little subtle references, like calling the fans mutants is what Brendan called for years of the streamers that were following him. People were following him, called him mutants and shrimp. 
Like, and then also them using Vic Joseph's picture in this like male model, be like, who could be the next one? They're talking about him being a ghoul because that was something they also made fun of as Vic because they're all good friends with Vic, and Vic's probably the best announcer that he has right now. All right, you're now you're just getting hot. So, um, I, yeah, I thought that was fascinating. That that was a big reveal. Like, I don't know how you don't tell us that stuff. And that was during the era of like me in the closet doing the doing the the streams. So. Wasn't it? Because that was all like COVID time. So you were giving money during COVID, and that's when you would donate money for us to play videos. So that was a different Gino. Gino was a big spender back then. So a hundred bucks to listen to Killian Dane talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was right up your alley. Yeah, the sport kid Gillian Day. Well, not as much good. He was all going to Brennan, but people like also chat with Damo and Diajack and Manny and sometimes Nick Ed that was entertaining as all worth it, you know, to support a good man to support his streams and looking forward to where he goes next. And now he has this new whole setup and him being Jibo of VTuber to entertain. Are they bringing back Twitch? Can, can the superstars do Twitch again? Are they, do you think they're moving towards that direction? I know that that was a Vinceism. Like, no, we, you don't get to make money off of your likeness because your likeness is really our character. Like we've created, like when AJ goes on there, that's AJ styles, the wrestler, that's AJ styles, the man, that's kind of a product of WWE. If you're going to be on some sort of revenue service, we want to control it. But do you think that now we're in the Triple H era? Ronda Rousey streams video games. Do you think we are going to get more and more wrestlers back on streaming platforms? We may, and I do feel like that could be possible. What Brennan wants to do is he does like what he's doing right now with his old Jibo character and him being on YouTube streaming. And he wanted to use the Great Black Otaku Twitch to actually support his other friends. So like Shane Haste. Shane Thorne has been streaming there occasionally, very rarely now, but he used to be using that for streaming, just like, again, provide some for entertainment, also for people to support him, too. So it was like a good way to have him support his friends, like Shane Taste. And even Damo tried to do it once, and it did not go as successfully as Shane has been able to successfully stream. No, see, yeah. I don't know. I've watched clips of that stuff that you loved, and it's not entertaining for me. I'm not in on the inside jokes. Maybe you felt like you were more part of that community, and that's why it was, like, fun for you to listen to. But, yeah, just trying to listen to, like, are you guys doing a show? Or, like, what are they doing? It really was just kind of, hey, we're getting on the internet to Skype with each other. If you guys want to watch, go ahead. Like, because they would even have topics, and it's not like they were really doing that. So, um, I'm glad that you found some solace in it, Gino. Good for you. But we're wrestling journalists, okay? And I got scoops, all right? Alex Riley's back, dude. Alex Riley's making his return to in-ring competition. This is somebody that we need to interview. What happened to Alex Riley? Why is Alex Riley not a huge star in professional wrestling? This guy beat the Miz. Like, this guy beat the Miz within six months after the Miz main event at WrestleMania. So I didn't even realize this. He hasn't been in the ring for six and a half years. Did you know that, Gino? Six and a half years without Alex Riley. Um, it has been that long. He's actually wrestling at a Creative Pro show. Um, so speaking of our best friend, Brian Myers. So Alex Riley making his return, which I think is kind of like, you know, all these guys who were in the WWE for a cup of coffee, when they disappear, you do wonder, where do they go? And Alex Riley is somebody that I did wonder, why didn't he do anything else in wrestling? He has the face of a wrestler. He could have been a wrestler, I feel like, if if he wanted to go to Impact. He could have Steve Macklin his way to some sort of a main event. What are your thoughts on Alex Riley finally making that much-deserved comeback? I think it is great that he's making his comeback. It does suck that it's with Tyrus and it's all this stuff. Recently, it's released for most recent returns with Ty Tyrus. So hopefully, he can get away from NWA and he can come to like WWE and be the second best and commentator in NXT. 
go back to being Kamate. He was perfect at that. I, I, I liked him. In, he had a body. Why, why cover that body up with a suit? Get him in the ring. And he was so douchey as a commentator. That's so funny that you say that. He was one of the worst commentators they had. Like, it's just a, a, that shit-eating grin that he always had made no sense. Like, why is this guy the commentator? And then I remember he had like his he, when he returned to the ring in NXT as like his temper tantrum gimmick. Like Alex Riley's got an attitude now, so no, we need we need Alex Riley. Like I'm ready for that new new Alex Riley. And uh, what do you not like about Tyrus? What do you not like about NWA? Is there something wrong with NWA? I just think and my big thing is we didn't give the belt to Cardona, which now we understand Cardona was already going to leave. He wanted like make sure it's safe. But to have Tyrus win just because you had the rest of Idol's group win, it upset me because I'm just like, you made a whole event where you're setting up that it could be anything, some big moment. And it's just that Austin Idol, this old fuck, because he's the only guy that's still old enough, like from the old school NWA, that still wants to show up here. And you want to give him everything for his stable just to build up nothing. You're not really going to do shit with this, especially with all the stuff going on with Nick Aldis that he wants out. So you're not going to have a big enough star. You're wanting to be like, we're going to put the rocket on to Tyrus and make him the big star. And he's going to help promote this company when he's not going to do anything. It's well, not going to bring any numbers. How about Trevor Murdoch? Like NWA as a whole, like, and I've listened to Billy Corgan on the podcasts, on several podcasts. I'm a wrestling journalist. And, he, you know, he's even said, like, we want to be different than AEW. We want to be different than Impact and MLW. Like, they have this focus now on high-flying indie wrestling. We want to go opposite. We want to have, like, big meaty guys, like old-school Southern wrestling. And I guess that works, but when when your big guys are Trevor Murdoch and Tyrus, it's like these are just WWE rejects, and they're in their 50s now, or they're in their late 40s. That appeal of the Southern wrestler isn't really alive with those guys. Like, I would argue MLW feels more like a Southern wrestling promotion than like with, with like a Mads Kruger. That's like a perfect example. Like we like Mads Kruger here. He's just a big guy with a mask and a glove. There's not anything that special about him, but that's why it feels so old school wrestling. It just oh, this guy's a villain. It's obvious. It's it's we're we're painting with black and white. This guy's a villain. These guys are baby faces. Why is he a villain? We don't even know. He's just a villain to be a villain, and he's really good at it. With NWA, it's like Trevor Murdoch is a, I mean, Jethro Holiday from TNA. He's just kind of a journeyman. Yeah, he's cool to have on a card here and there. But to be your world champion, like that's to have Nick Aldis, who you have kind of built up as a believable main eventer for your show, who's headlined NWA 70 with Cody, which was a big deal. Like he's done some pretty big things. To have him drop the belt to Trevor Murdoch and never get it back doesn't make me believe Trevor Murdoch is any more credible. It makes me think Trevor Murdoch sucks and that Nick Aldis sucks. It is sad that that's the case, but I, it's, NWA is slowly dying, and it's sad to say, but I at least we are bringing up something that is thriving right now, and I'm actually really enjoying his MLW. We brought up Matt Scrooge, and he is the future. I feel like the monster like him could be a real monster, but we do know, thanks to our friend as well, other favorite wrestler of ours, Mads Warner, that he had the scoops. He told us the facts that Mads Kruger is actually Luke Gallows. We never knew. They're the same person. We never <laughs> seen them in the same place, same time. He has a mask. He has the same tattoos, tan skin. Makes perfect sense that Mads Kruger is Luke Gallows. We've never seen him together. So well, it has to be the truth. And, it's true. and I haven't been watching MLW. And another company that I haven't been watching is Impact. Like, I, I have to be honest, you know, I think Impact is like 
dead. It's just gone. It, it, they had all this momentum when Josh Alexander won the belt, and I think that the way they've treated his title reign has really exposed to me that this show sucks. Like, so I, and I looked this up. Like, how how like because I even wrote on my notes here. Like, how is Impact Wrestling not dead? Like, how is it not? I looked up their viewership on Access TV. 56,000 viewers. Like, that doesn't seem like a lot. Like, I know that television is a, it's a different beast right now. There's only five, like 56,000 people watching on Access. Like, what is Raw get? A million viewers, maybe? Like, I like give or take. So, that's obviously not like the, the, the 9 million people that were watching it years ago. But to think that 56,000, I mean, there's, there's arenas that can fit that many people in there. Like, a football stadium is where the people are watching Impact Wrestling once a week. And then I even go on to their Impact uh, their Impact Ultimate Insiders on YouTube. The most recent episode had like 139 likes. So who is watching this show? How are they making money? And why is it not, like, in my head it's so dead. How is it still alive? It's because Anthem knows that this is going to be a lull right now, but then when they are willing to put in more money, more effort, more time, they're going to be able to put in more athletes in here that are even bigger stars and help Impact get back up to greatness. So right now, yes, it's in the lull. We already know like Hard to Kill us, Bully Ray going for the world title. We have Deanna Parasso hopefully killing Mickey James's career finally. We can be done with Mickey James. Mickey James can retire by Deanna, and Deanna can finally be back to greatness at Hard to Kill. So again, we just got to wait till January for <laughs> us to see the greatness of Impact back, and hopefully it'll get back into upswing. Because right now it is in a lull, but it's got to go up in January. I don't know, dude. I like it's been in a lull for over a year. Like since since Josh won that, like we go to that Bound for Glory where Josh lost the belt. Like that that should have been like a bigger deal. Moose is champion, and even Moose's title reign like started off with a match against Heath. Like it just. How how we talk, we give NWA shit for Trevor Murdoch? Heath is having a title shot, you know. And how are we as wrestling fans who have seen Heath our whole lives? Like, how are we then supposed to believe? Well, if this guy is a jobber on the other show, and now he's fighting for the world title, he's actually in worse shape. His body is actually less athletic now, but he's getting a championship match. How are we supposed to watch Impact and think it's anything at all credible? Well, it was because we were trying to make Moose more credible. So, yeah, we had this jobber, and the jobber lost completely, lost one-sidedly, basically, had no chance of winning. So Moose got to look strong against this now-jacked version of Heath, who is more jacked than he was, and he was just a fucking slim fucking beer guy. Now he's a bigger dude, and he can work, and he's now tag team champion. So we are, like, keeping him in the tag team, hopefully keeping him away from the world title picture. And if him and Rhino eventually lose those belts, to these new members of Violet by Design, of fucking Five and Victor. Well, not Victor, it's Connor. But Victor needs to come back, so we have Connor, Victor, and Five. See, all Alan of it Angel. sounds so fucking bad. Alan Angle is no longer with Dark, with Dark Order. He's going to go to Impact. Like, it, it really is like the fifth place you would go now. Where, like, I've been listening to some, some My World, and you remember TNA in those those glory years, even in the Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff stuff, that was so much better than what I'm watching now. More people were curious about that impact than they're curious about it now. And w- what is with the short-term fucking contracts? Like, you brought up Anthem. is such a great thing to bring up because Anthem is this billion-dollar organization. Anthem Wrestling Entertainment owns Impact Wrestling, and they own Access TV. They put them on their own networks. Pursuit was another network they were on before Access. So... They have all this stuff. 
So I'm looking at Chelsea Green. I'm looking at the OGK. I'm looking at how many other, like, look at a TJP. Look at the Good Brothers. How do you have all these people sign these, like, nine months? Like, not even OGK. What was OGK? How long were they there? Like, not yeah, it was nine months. Chelsea Green was there for just over a year. Like, how do you let all this talent walk away? How are we as viewers supposed to invest in the product if they're not even investing in the wrestlers? They are investing in the wrestlers that are willing to stay. I do feel like with some of the contract negotiations, it is like a W more situation where they were realizing that they want to make more. So like there, it impacts like, no, we can like extend it or even have you another like shorten version of this, like a rollover. So you could keep coming if you want to, but you don't have to. So I think like impact tries to make open deals be like they can choose. And it's not just like your force. You can actually be able to leave when you want to come and go and not just be stuck like an MLW or WWE contract. But you, you say stuck, but MLW and WWE are, have better programming right now. So I understand that, hey, as a favor to you, we're going to let you go make more money somewhere. But as a company, why not invest in that talent and really put – like why not sign W. Morrissey to a three-year contract? Build your entire program around this huge monster. You could even do spots where you bring in an Enzo and he can finally have a match with Enzo or he can team up with Enzo again. Or you can have other guys come in and be short-term, but – for for a W Morrissey to just be like, hey, I'm just gonna go somewhere else. It makes me view the the guys who do stay there as lesser thans because I hate Eddie Edwards and Eddie Edwards is always gonna be in Impact Wrestling. When like I I was watching something on Impact Wrestling the other day and they were talking about the heart and soul of Impact Wrestling and I thought maybe that's the problem. Maybe the problem is Impact Wrestling views Eddie Edwards as the heart. They view Johnny Swinger as a valuable character that they're re-signing to long-term deals. Like they, they don't view some of the other talent like a Chelsea Green, like the OGKs, like even Reno Scum, who I didn't really like. Even them leaving is just you have no tag teams on this roster. Why are you just letting everybody leave whenever they want? Well, here's the thing. We do have characters and wrestlers that do seem like mainstays again we have eddie edwards i believe chris bay ace austin speedball mike bailey those are three that i feel are going to stay four years that they will make sure we keep these guys because the x division and slash like the tag team division needs to have these guys because they can be the stars of the future because speedball is amazing chris bay is great ace austin is probably still the greatest wrestler they have on impact right now with josh alexander and he's another guy who's not going anywhere i don't feel unlike his tag team partner at the page i just wanted to go to a place that gave him more money and less opportunity because they don't see the star power that ethan page is and they give a title match to ricky starks before all ego and that just upsets me so nobody likes ethan page anymore dude like the, the the most telling thing about ethan page is when he walked out and he yelled that's the only reaction that i get it's like yeah because no one gives a shit like john cena never had to walk out and go why are you reacting to me like ethan page has to do that because ethan page sucks like there's just such a clear line of what we're interested in and what we're not and that's the biggest like tell like who's over who's not ethan page isn't over anymore like ever since he came to, to uh, aew and had his big uh debut in the ladder match it's just fizzled away. He was the second best guy in the men of the year. And now he's in this group with, with uh, I was going to say Colin Cassidy, with Colin Cassidy. And we're wondering why are they pushing Ethan Page? He's, he's not in the best shape that he once was in. Like, there's nothing like unique about his matches. Like It's not like he wrestles like a Bobby Roode where I can't wait to like, oh, he's so crisp in the ring. Like He's decent in the ring. He's decent on the mic. It's not like he's main event worthy anything. 
You know, you bring up another amazing wrestler from Canada. We're talking about all league. Then you bring up Bobby Roode. We don't know where Big Bob is. That's also making me sad realizing that Bob, they has Bobby Roode under contract for all we know. He's hurt. And they don't bring him back. With Triple H in charge, he doesn't want to bring Bobby Roode in and try to have him be the one to dethrone Roman. He had a surgery like a month ago. He's hurt, you know. We're wrestling journalists, okay? We know that Bobby Roode just had surgery. And we're waiting for him to be able to return, okay? Bobby Roode is hurt. And he's going to be fine. Like, even when I go to their – so I'm on their, their Superstars page right now where they call it their Wrestlers page. Get with the time, uh, wrestling. We, we we call this – So we, if you work as a wrestler, you are a superstar, Gino. Why are they not they, – do they not even know the game? They don't know the lingo right now? Let me bring it up so we're going to look at it together. I'm not going to bring you up because, uh, Gino, we got to get this lighting situation figured out. So – Josh Alexander, we know Jordan Grace signed a long-term deal there, which was I thought was a good move. Like, there's a great example. They Jordan Grace turns 25, they signed her to a three-year deal. And now they know, okay, when she's 28, she's either going to go to WWE or going to explore other options. Lock her into a three-year deal, though. So that way you can invest some time. You could do the storyline with Rachel Ellering. You could do the storyline with Tasha Steeles. They're, they've done a lot with Jordan Grace, and – Giving her that long of a contract allows you to invest more time in her. That's true. And that's why we're looking, especially after seeing her match at fucking Overdrive, that just made me realize Mosh and her are the stars of the Impact Wrestling Women's Division. That they need to keep these two for sure on this roster for a long time to build them up even more to help the Knockouts Division be even bigger. So kind of go back to where I used to be with Gail Kim and Awesome Cup. And I like Josh Alexander. I, I, I do. I think his matches are good. I mean, he's pretty much Canadian Kurt Angle, so I'll take it. Uh, but they're, they've lined him up. Like, his match with Kazarian, like, they just the, – uh, the, what, the Eddie Edwards thing was is always going to be a setback for me. Like, his title reign hasn't really been that interesting, and I was so excited for him to finally win this belt. And maybe this is examples of why, like, some some territories are heel territories where the money's in the chase. We want to see the babyface chase and try and get the championship, which is what they kind of did when Moose was champion, but they didn't have any other babyfaces. They had no other babyfaces to go and get Moose, so it, it just we just had to wait for Josh Alexander to finally get there. And now that we're here... We're trying to build up like Macklin, I guess. Like we have heels that we're trying to do stuff with and make them relevant. Sammy Callahan continues to get more and more out of shape. Uh, but the the roster just if you invest three years in certain people, I think you can like imagine if we had a big cast and we had a W Morrissey that we were building up as that heel to challenge for the championship. Joe Doring had an amazing match for the championship. It's like we need characters that we're putting time into. And they can't all just be Eric Young. They can't all just be people that have been here for 30 years. Or they can't be people that I don't see much value in. Like, is a Johnny Swinger ever going to be a, a legitimate contender for the, the, the championship? I think he'll be a legitimate contender for the so the Digital Media Worlds Championship. That's what I feel. He'll be a great contender for that. But I do feel if they do put more time into Bully Ray, and if he wants to stay longer, we could have a big program with bully ray and josh alexander if josh were to lose that way josh tries to come back and win because i do agree with you impact is more like the heel territory where the baby face chases and that's where it feels more organic and real is that's better that the baby face is going after the title than the baby face winning the title eventually i mean even just scrolling through this roster it's like a joke like it really is 
like when I was a kid and I would scroll through like independent like championship wrestling from Hollywood rosters, it would look like this. It would be like, oh man, who's this old guy? Who's who are these old guys? Who's this awesome guy? Uh, this guy, why is he getting pushed so heavily? Shira, he's not even there. Like some of these guys, like you never even see anyway. Who's Shogun? That guy looks scary. I believe he was part of their uh, what the fuck's called gut, not gut check, but their new thing, kind of like gut check, where they have these new guys they can come in and have their opportunity, which Joe Hendry took it from them because Joe Hendry is a bigger star than anybody in that part of the still coming in to impact side of things. I don't know. They don't have they don't have that many guys on this roster anymore. Like compared to an AEW, they don't have much. And then the guys they do have, like nobody's a main eventer. Like this whole company is mid card. I mean, they don't have a lot of people compared to Impact. I and AEW because AEW signs everybody, and Impact doesn't mind keeping the people they have and bringing whoever they can because again, they don't need a hundred fucking people. But like, like, let's go through this. Like, let's go through these lines. Like, who is a main eventer? Like, on this on this card, like Ace Austin. I like Ace Austin, but he's not a main eventer. Alex Shelley's not a main eventer. Uh, Alicia's not good at wrestling. I think she's just here as like a favor. Aiden Prince is not a main eventer. Uh, Alan Ang- Angels, or whatever his name is, he's not a main eventer. Gujar is not a main eventer. Black Tarou is not a main eventer. Brian Myers I like, but he's not like a main eventer. Uh, Bully Ray is a main eventer. Chris Bay could be. I think Chris they could, they can do a little bit more with Chris Bay. Saban and Crazy Steve are not main eventers. Diener, he's not a main eventer. Uh, I wouldn't even argue Eddie Edwards is not a main eventer. EY is a main eventer. I like Eric Young. But Eddie is just – he is when you put when you put him on the poster, Gino. I always bring this up. You put them on the poster, will people want to check this out? Uh, like Brian Meyer said, Eddie Edwards is pretty much a backyarder. This is a guy when you watch highlights of him from only five years ago, he's like in really good shape. The Wolves, that that angle that happened with Angelina Love and Alicia and Davey, like there he – he was like a serious wrestler. You can imagine him going to WWE. This new version of him that won't take his shirt off for chops is not a main eventer. I could agree. Eddie Edwards is not a main eventer, but I want you to go up for it. Go back up to the very first row. Cause you're talking about people on a poster. If you remember, we had Josh Alexander have an amazing title match against one of these men on the front row. And that proves to me that he is still a main eventer still to me. Cause he had his first ever world title opportunity this year. <laughs> Alex Shelley is a main eventer. God damn it. No, he's I will not. not have you disrespect the better version of Johnny Gargano like that. He's not a main eventer though. And this is a guy that has left impact multiple times for no apparent reason to go compete in the fucking opera cup. Like there, there, there's Alex Shelley could have been somebody that really invested his entire career in the impact and, and been that guy. He could have been that guy for impact wrestling. Like Saban won the fucking world title. Shelley could have won it at some point, but he spent a lot of time duck. He, he stopped wrestling for years. Didn't he? Didn't he take time off to become like a physiotherapist or some shit? So it's, I don't know. I, I, I look at Alex Shelley. I like Alex Shelley. I really do. I think he's amazing. Uh, his, his match with, um, He's, with Speedball was fantastic. He's had really, really good matches this year. But I'm saying from a, we're trying to draw people to watch this show. If I put Alex Shelley up and people who go, oh, I remember Alex Shelley. Like, what are they going to remember? Paparazzi production, Motor City Machine Guns. They're not going to necessarily think he's a headliner. 
it's those that did only just watch Impact and TNA and see Alex Shelley. But if they are like hardcore and watched ROH, Alex Shelley, they're like, this motherfucker is the best. Uh, Johnny Gargano basically was a wannabe Alex Shelley, who's almost as good as Alex Shelley. But Shelley is a perfect wrestler, one of the best who can never have a bad match, I feel. Uh, there's got to be a stinker in there somewhere. Has he wrestled Heath? Come on, there's got to be one of them in there somewhere. Jason Hotz, I don't even know who that is. Jivy Doll, these just these are just choppers that show up once in a while. Uh, the best talent, like people work here until AEW has something for them. Like that's just kind of what it seems like now. Uh, of course, Cardona's probably heading back to WWE. Uh, PCO, PCO is another example of like I just I don't like PCO. So when they announce we're signing him to a multi-year deal, that's frustrating. Like why would you do that? That's you doubling down on the stuff that I don't like. And saying, hey, we're not going to be as good at, as, at the wrestling as AEW. We're not going to have the same production value as WWE. So we'll just kind of do this part of wrestling. Like the joke, indie stuff that people like me don't like. He's not just joke. That's it. With PCO, he's also good. With how old he is, he's an incredible shape for an old man. And be able to take these bumps, these dives that he almost kills himself over. But he could still do this today in, day out. Shows at least he could be a useful talent as this unstoppable monster that eventually does get stopped by a bigger monster like a Jonah used to or like anyone else that they could try to bring in they have to dethrone PCO their human monster it's no longer human dude he's the worst you know he's not good like he wrestles in slow motion because he's old like and it's not just that he's old it's something that he was never good to begin with we've seen him in WWE he's had a career outside of being PCO and it wasn't wasn't that good anyway so I don't know, Gino. I've been watching Impact Wrestling for a lot of years, and just recently I've just kind of determined that this that it's over. This thing is dead. And then I wonder, how is it still alive? How is it still on TV for 56,000 people to watch? Like, And then I wonder, where where did this thing completely change? When did it get, like, just, like, when did it become this? When did it become, we're going to film this in a dark room because there's only 31 people here? Like, when did when did that happen? I mean, I would have to say what might have started was Hogan. When Hogan left and we had our person in charge that we were like, she's going like, to be able to fix this because Hogan leaving. Dixie holding his fucking leg. That's when it was starting to go into that downhill turn and just was the end of impact. So and it could be the Spike deal, I guess. Like, well, they lost Spike. So, and say, what, say like people can say what they will. Spike was giving them money, and that was kind of a major reason why they had a Hulk Hogan. That was a major reason why they were viewed as like a WCW. They were viewed as the second most popular wrestling company in the world in a lot of aspects. So, I guess when that when that came to an end. But I, and everyone wants to blame Hogan. I I always argue, but I loved watching it when Hogan and Bischoff were on there. I we liked Aces and Eights, even if it was bad. More people were still watching it and had more interest. Uh, maybe and look, we can look at Dixie Carter. Like, what about an Ethan Carter? They brought this guy in who was a jobber in WWE and tried to put some oil on him and say he was a main eventer. And to to wrestling fans who watch both products, it was such an obvious desperate. Oh my goodness! You guys need a, a main eventer so bad. You're just gonna try and make one out of Derek Bateman. And I feel they were able to eventually. They made Derek Bateman into a main eventer. Yes, they had the whole Derek Bateman like EC3 for champion, which then MJF had to copy because MJF is not an original guy at all. He wants big references or copy people who are better than him. Who would have guessed someone who's better than you does copy people who are better than? Him. But yes, we had Derek Bateman. Was a terrible decision. But then we have. 
other stars that were still coming up there that were the main events, but they did want to have somebody that they could be like, this is going to be our guy. We put the rocket to and strapped to be the champion, even though they could have just gave it to Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy back and forth and start their feud early, but they didn't want to just yet. Cause I'm even, so I did read an article a little bit the other day. It's from like Vavil. I never even heard of it, but uh, the money situation became tighter and tighter. Talent had been with the company for a decade, and they just began to ship out. Talent like Samoa Joe, Bobby Roode, James Storm, Low Key, Jay Lethal, AJ Styles, and others left the company, leaving it to void of any of the talent, not just in the main event picture, but the lifeblood of the company. Uh, Hogan went back to WWE. TNA was sinking. So, like, th- that's obviously what, like, when AJ left, that was a huge, like, this thing is fucking different. And I think Hogan was already gone by then. It was Dixie running the whole show with their Dixieland match. Uh, is any of that Hogan? Is any of that Hogan then? Like it's Dixie with this heel gimmick and this heel character. And I and I hated TNA for a while because of this. Because even when MVP took over from Dixie, MVP turned heel like right after. Like Impact's creative was a babyface comes in to save the company. Sting and Dixie get the company back from Bischoff and Hogan. Dixie turns heel. MVP gets the company from Dixie. MVP turns heel. Like it just it was the only formula that they had was to have a heel person in charge. And it's not like they had anyone doing that well. I like Scott Demore as a babyface guy. I like that he rocks the headset. Like that's his gimmick. And he's just kind of putting matches together. It looks like he's always super busy backstage. So I like how they have a babyface figure now, but maybe that was one of the major issues why people stopped watching was it was just rinse and repeat storylines of heel managers. Which they, again, started that off with Eric Bischoff and Hogan being in charge. And when Hogan left, I do feel like that was like that start. That was like we were right here and it was starting to go down because of that moment. Because we are like, oh, we have no one else, no real stars anymore because Hogan left us. And our fucking woman who's in charge looked like a bitch holding on to his leg. Just be like, stay, stay a little longer. So we wanted to bitch out our company. And then she becomes this fucking heel authority figure like she has balls after that. Why do that? Like, do you think that because... Because now we can try and blame Hogan for that. That's not Hogan's fault that that was written into the creative. Like that could definitely be Dixie's fault or or Vince Russo's fault. Whoever is writing at the time, I don't think Russo was. So somebody had the idea of Dixie to now look. It makes Dixie look like a hell of a heel. Like it does make her look like a little bitch, but it also makes her look like I'm desperate for Hulk Hogan. You guys don't like this Hogan guy anyway, but I want him to stay no matter what. So that makes her look... Why do you think that was the creative they went with? I have no idea why that was created. I, I, we, maybe we need to watch back that entire storyline for ourselves and be like, what was it? What could they have thought would be the good idea from this? And just decide, like, was it even a good idea? Because I do feel like that was the start. That was that nail that was slowly getting into that coffin until it was fully killed off over the years and years from that decision, from that start, that domino effect. Yeah, um, I don't know. So this because the company obviously like because but even after this we were still watching. That was what was kind of that was what was frustrating, right? Was that it was still. Um, let's see. Will Hulk Hogan accept Dixie Dixie's to to join her? Is this where I he know leaves? That a lot of you are not- so even like because obviously there was fake crowd noise in this era. That's okay though, right? A lot of great companies use fake crowd noise. There's nothing wrong. With the little dramatized crowd noise. Well, let's let's listen to this a little bit. I'm not happy with some of the decisions I've made lately. You know, and I've heard it for months now. But I tell you what, it's people like me that understand why people like you simply 
have no concept whatsoever of business and the complexities of it. I mean, really, I can't be upset at you guys for that. I mean, bless your hearts. You simply don't know any different. You're just reacting. I get that. So, like, even this, this promo, she's being the heel, like, in charge. But even AJ was cutting those promos against her, like, you know, Dixie's car, her father bought her a wrestling company. She doesn't belong running this business. And after him cutting that promo and us kind of already seeing that, this was her reaction to that. Like, this was her, no, pff, I'll show him. I'll cut a scathing heel promo. You're just reacting. It's really weird. Again, during the time we did stuff, AJ trying to be the man of the people because he always was like the best. When whether he be like as a anti-hero, like the whole no one phenomenal, no or one. then just him being the phenomenal one, being the man of people, coming back to that phenomenal one theme song, get ready to fly, and then him just being the best, showing that he's still the best, and then it made no sense. Like they needed a heel for AJ to go after, so go after the authority figure. Because that's what gets Put people that to because they love. Put that shit on. Thank you, Taka Spliffinoku. Because people love Stone Cold so much, so we want to copy that heel authority figure and baby face that tries to face that authority. So yeah, we want to have that. It since the 90s. We want to have that, that mountain overcome. We want to have the baby face having that, you know, oh, we all hate our bosses too, so we're going to overcome the boss. Like, that's what they're doing. So. Huh? Thank you, Steve. No, you're going to regret. <coughs> what is it? Well, Dixie, if you put it that way. Well, first off, thank you for the watch. I really appreciate the watch. I've never had anything quite like this before. Guys aren't getting their paychecks during um, this era. Your offer. Wow. Put that shit on. Put that shit on. The 35 years that I put in, I mean, I've always dreamed about being a power couple in this business. Having a beautiful woman like you. Nice, bro. That has more power than anybody in this business. At the end of the day, with an offer like that, Dixie Carter and Hulk Hogan. It's amazing how high we could get. Yeah. I like that. But. No buts. <laughs> at the end of the day, uh-huh. it's an amazing offer mm-hmm. for somebody else, not me, because I quit. Nice. What? what? So, like, just thinking about it now, like, from a, from a creative standpoint, are they trying to just continue to get Dixie over as this heel? I mean, obviously, this guy in the front row, I mean, he did not see that coming. He did not pay a ticket to see that. He's got his red and yellow Hulkamania shirt. His son's there with his phenomenal AJ Styles shirt. He is not happy at the news he just heard. This lady back here, she's got a Hulkamania shirt. So we could try and say Hogan killed this company. It looks like a lot of these people here were excited to see Hulk Hogan. And... Her reaction here is it just to like, like again, try and dissect. We're wrestling journalists, so try and dissect this from a creative standpoint. Why put Hogan over this much on the way out? It's just, yeah, that's the whole thing. We never do that when someone's leaving, you let them lay on their back, they leave on a 
fucking negative enough, but no, this guy got to leave on one of the biggest ups he's had this entire impact run was him saying he quits because there were people who even during the time were like, it, it's all because of Hogan. And now I realize because Hogan left that we made our person that would charge look more like a bitch and look more just in the worst position she could look. And yet we are supposed to believe that she's an authority figure. It makes it seem like they didn't know what they were really trying to do. If they were going to have someone replace Dixie early on, or if they're just like, well, we're stuck with Dixie, but we did something wrong to make her look terrible. Even though she's supposed to be an authority figure and have power. And even the way you said that though, like we're supposed to like, like Hogan, we don't like Hogan because Hogan did it. Like this wasn't Hogan's idea. I mean, maybe it was, but if you're in charge of this company and Hogan's leaving, just do a backstager. Why why do this spot here? Why take up this much TV time? I mean, a five-minute clip on YouTube. Hogan comes out. His long, drawn-out. Sounds like a really tempting offer. I mean, I've heard offers before. This is a good offer, but I'm going to – it's not an offer for me. Like, like this is the creative that they went with. D- did they have faith in bringing Hogan back? Was it really just to get Dixie over as a heel? Why do this? And that's the I don't know. And especially during this time, we could see who the head writer was, which I do feel has to be Russo or his best friend, Ed Navarro, had to come up with this idea just to put over their best friend, Hulk Hogan, on his way out. Just that way, Hogan be like, see, we're all good now, so maybe you can help us out if he wants to make another XPW or another one was his promotion, that one fucking promotion that didn't even have a TV deal. Before they even finish, Rus- yeah, I was gonna say Russo and Hogan hate each other. Like that, I don't think that's where it would go. They really don't like each other. So I don't know who would be in charge of creative to make such a decision. Like to make such a weird, like like oh, you know, what would really get us like would really get Dixie over as a villain if she's like begging Hulk Hogan not to leave. She's offering him to be a power couple. Like she should be in the ring now saying. Fine, I don't fucking need you. Fuck Hulk Hogan. I built this company and I don't need you around. I'll build another Hulk Hogan. Or even shoot, even shoot on him and say, you were dragging this company down anyway. This company was built on young whippersnappers that you scared away. Like, do something else. But what happens next maybe is kind of this like sign, like this company doesn't know where it's going. Because Dixie walks up to Hogan on the ramp. She's touching him. She's trying to, like, flirt with him. Yeah. Maybe it was that Dixieland ladder match. Now that we watched this clip right here, and now I'm remembering just Dixie Carter as a heel. Oh, I wasn't even having it on the fucking screen. But I, I described it with my words. You guys all know what happens. I'll just play it on, on mute in the background. But, you know, yeah, what I, what I was saying, like, like I remember Dixie as this villain. Maybe it was this that just drove everybody away. Like, it's not original. We've already seen it done before, and she's not doing very good at it. And then that Dixieland match where AJ Styles is getting put over further and further. They're making AJ look awesome. AJ is, um, you know, he's he's overcoming all these insurmountable odds against uh, EC3 and Magnus and uh, Spud. A- AJ looks awesome, but he, 
at the end of it, he just loses on his way out. And it doesn't make Magnus look good. So, yeah, maybe why is this their issue? Invest in the people that are still here. And that's the thing. And that's what I think what they're learning now is they are trying to invest in the people that are still here that want to still stay. But even like back then, the biggest thing, if we want to like go even further back, that I feel was like a downfall for Impact is when their big decision they made, when they could have still worked with New Japan, just worked with Japanese wrestling, just worked to keep their business relation we had there they decided no we want the british invasion we want to go to british boot camp we want to have all the stars here and it completely kills their entire relation with new japan and stops any form of momentum they were getting with their great business relation they had over the years with new japan so that i feel is another big did they have a great relationship like i, I felt so again jushin under liger and shimojo i think was one of their best matches they had on impact television yeah, but that's one. So like a great relationship is built off of one match and like they got Okada and they didn't really know what to do with Okada, but it's not like they had all these other amazing collaborations with New Japan Pro Wrestling. They- Nakamura, Tanahashi, uh, we had Chris, uh, Kurt Angle the first ever fucking Wrestle Kingdom. But were he these, beat Yuji Nagata? But aren't these all from like 06? Like I'm talking 2012. Like I'm going into the future cuz even the Okada stuff was in like 2011. So we're talking about a, a working relationship that we're saying that started in 0204 where we were just, yeah, we have a small little weekly pay-per-view company and Nakamura can show up and Tanahashi can show up. But for years, it's not like New Japan had any sort of a presence with TNA. They, I felt they always had like press because we had like no limit, which it was Naito's first big stage, having like a big audience watching him and seeing him like progress. And like, I feel like over those years, until we decided British invasion, we had like something going with New Japan. We could have kept this going and possibly even more collaborations with going to Japan, having more Wrestle Kingdom showcases of Impact Stars. And now we are now in 2022 because of our relationship has been able to come back. But because I feel like the first downfall of that, at least small bit downfall, was having the British invasion, the British UK boot camp, instead of what we could have had more with Japan. That's such a unique thing that I would have never even thought of. Like in my head, I'm going so much more granular. Like that, because even that British UK thing, no one gave a shit anyway. And like if it was Japan, I feel like it would just be the same reaction. It would be a gut check. It would be, we're trying something, we have Japanese people, and. Once they started bringing in Sonatas, I'm sure you liked Sonata and some of the talent that they brought in from from uh, Wrestle One or whatever they were doing. But I I would honestly say that was one of the death knells for TNA for me when they did that Bound for Glory and they pre-recorded it. I thought that was such a shot to the like, just like can you imagine if WrestleMania was pre-taped and like they like hey we're doing a WrestleMania in Japan it's not going to be live for America like what. Like, we can read the results, but your biggest pay-per-view of the year doesn't have your world champion on it. Like, that's how backwards are we getting with this company where to them it was a bigger deal to have a great Muda collaboration pay-per-view than to promote their own shit. Like, this goes back to uh, earlier this year or last year when they had to move their pay-per-view. They had to move Bound for Glory because AEW had a battle for the belt or some shit on a Saturday night. How do you move your biggest pay-per-view of the year? And how do you not have your biggest star on your biggest pay-per-view of the year? Like, I they, they dropped the ball more than anything with these collaborations. They tried their best with the collaboration to make it work for both sides. So I do feel like they've learned from those mistakes. 
we may if we do have like a show in japan which could happen now for all we know or at least showing up in wrestle kingdom which i do feel we will have we'll probably get besides bright lights being there we might see bay and ace austin because i think they're a part of the world tag league i don't remember it i need to check the world tag league who all is in there but we do have like a possibly like more people impact showing up in new japan where we could get more collaborations now but i do feel like it's but I'm i can understand and see your point i'm like even starting to poo poo that though like you're because you're saying like it'll be great to have chris bay at new japan will it like what will that do for impact wrestling because in a lot i know new japan is bigger obviously it's on a it's on a different stage it's in japan but it's still not that big compared to what we're trying to get to or what we were at. Like I would argue when Hulk Hogan and Kurt Angle and Booker T and, and AJ Styles and, and Bobby Roode and James Storm were all in impact, I would argue it was bigger than NJPW in 2012. Like I don't really know what was going on at Wrestle Kingdom in 2012. Was there even a Wrestle Kingdom in 2012? Like, like I would argue impact was doing bigger things. So I don't think it was ever collaborations that were going to get this company to the next level. Uh, if anything, it was focusing on their own stuff, which is making them like like a King of the Mountain thing was awesome. A Bound for Glory series was different. They were trying to do stuff. I don't know if even New Japan like, oh, because I kind of hate that now. It's just so it's the whole Forbidden Door stuff is ruined because it used to be sexy. It used to be unique when we would have guys from other companies show up and holy shit, what can happen? Now that it happens so much, it's like, why is that important? It's because it does still give you that shock factor because you didn't expect like some of these matches you can now see. Like even Jericho said on Rampage, and I do agree with him, one of the best dynamite matches of all time, him versus Ishii, happened this Wednesday. We never expected that to ever happen. That, that we would have the Stone Pitbull versus Diocho. <laughs> that was not a best match of all time. He was just saying that to get over. That wasn't a best match. And Ishii has been on AEW a few times, so it's not like there's a surprise that that match is happening. Like, I wasn't surprised. It made total sense that they're bringing in a New Japan guy because, oh, we're, we're, we don't have Punk anymore. We're just trying to get some new people in the front. We don't know what Lance Archer is. Oh, Ishii, people, that seems to pop ratings when we bring in these New Japan guys that nobody watch. Like I, Nobody watches New Japan. Or, I mean, people watch New Japan, but they don't watch New Japan as frequently as they watch AEW. So uh, I, it'll be sexy and it'll be a surprise because that was a lot of the appeal with like a Minoru Suzuki is when I watched the first, the first time you see him, it was awesome. But by the ninth time I saw him, I was over it. I, I didn't have that same thing for me. So I don't, I don't have the same affinity for New Japan like you. Um, so I don't think that collaborations would have helped TNA or been a detriment to it. I, I, I think some of the main issues, Destination America obviously was huge because they didn't give any money to, to Impact Wrestling. Like They kind of told them to put this product on on their own. And Pop TV was really the definitive end. Like When they went on a pop, I didn't have pop. I didn't know where to get it. It wasn't something that I could find. Uh, I you know There was a watchwrestling.in probably at that point, but if I'm just watching TV at home – and I have all this stuff on my DVR, or I have all this stuff at my, you know, on Hulu, Netflix, all these apps. I didn't have a way to just go. I'm going to watch TNA, and it's not like anyone wanted to watch TNA during this era anyway. I and mean, it's true, but there were people who were like me who were committed to be like, you know, what I got to just stay. I'm sticking in the trenches with this company that I've been with for years that I want to still 
see it grow and succeed and it won't be back to where it was where it was getting like 1 million viewership and even then like back then people were like oh it's dead this company's dead it has 1.1 1.2 consistently and it's dying this is dying compared to WWE and now both companies AWWE would kill to have that old viewership of you just 1.2 consistently like Impact used to have what do you think there is that their biggest rating ever is a 1.2 million do, do we know what era that was in I don't know when their biggest viewership would be for their weekly shows. I know it was like they reached like one point. Something like Sunday's even like maybe one point five, somewhat consistently, like week to week, and they were like able to do that. And it was during the time where everyone was like, "Oh, Impact is dying. Impact is dead," even though it was having like one million viewership, which again, WWE and AEW would love to have consistently. They just can't get. Dude, what era would that be, that be from? Because I'm looking at the highest rated episodes of Impact are like two hundred, like. Okay, uh, TNA Impact Wrestling rating, the highest rating in the history. It drew a 1.35, which is up from 1.05. The show drew an average of 2 million viewers. So they were having 2 million people. Now, this is in 2011, Hulk Hogan era, Eric Bischoff. So we, we pretend that they killed this company. If anything, they took it to another level that it had never been before. They did, but I also feel like I think it was like oh nine. They were also doing really well. I think not like as well, but they were doing. I think pulling one mil or at least very close to it, where they were able to do that a lot better than what they are right now. Sadly, but, but what was the formula? What yeah, but the formula in oh nine, which I hated by the way. I mean, I stopped watching Impact during the main event Mafia, and that was the formula: was let's bring old guys from WWE, we'll put them on top and put them in power. And if that's popping the rating, who else could pop a rating? Hulk Hogan. So if anything, the main event mafia is what led to Hulk Hogan. And I hated the main event mafia. I thought, why would I watch this? All these guys who left WWE, like gray hair Kevin Nash, like now they're just in charge of TNA, this company. like, And the TNA frontline, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, they're the ones that can't get along. They're the ones who are, are having the infighting. They're the ones who... Like, oh, we need to save this company. But now nah, they all hate each other. They can't work together. They don't want to save it. They're getting jobbed out every week. It was really frustrating because I stopped watching WWE because of that championship scramble. And I was like, I don't really want to watch this anyway. And then I, wa I flip over to Impact and they're doing like something worse. And I feel like the Maven Mafia, I could tell just like how they were trying to do with the moral and fortune. Like they see, we put these big old legends with these young guys, whether it be in a program against them or together, and that'll help promote these young guys to be like, these guys are up to par with them. Just like when you bring up the front line, where with the front line, I did have like AJ, James Storm, Bobby Roode, but then we also have people like Curry Man, Austin Creed, Shark Boy, yeah. real legends of the front line that would never fight against each other. They were just there as fodder for the main event mafia. Can you imagine though that this show was two point? I mean, two point oh million viewers. There were two million people watching this show, and now it's fifty thousand. Like how did and that must just be from Spike TV, right? That probably goes from Spike TV is a network that a lot of people had in their homes. Paramount, it's called Paramount Network now, and that was in. I mean, Bar Rescues on that station. There's a lot of other shows that are pretty popular. Although Impact was the highest rated show on that network, so Dixie must have really fucked something up to lose that network deal. Because how are you the number one rated show and they don't want to? They don't want to bring you back. That must be meetings aren't going well. How because I, like I don't I don't like Bellator, but even uh, like when TNA was like 
uh, co-promoting with Bellator. It was kind of like, oh, I'll watch all these shows on Spike TV. I watch Bar Rescue. Spike TV was the network for guys, remember? So that was, you know, that was a, a perfect fit to have Impact Wrestling on there. And for them to fuck up that deal so bad and then to go to Destination America, which like made, which made no sense. Uh, gosh, they like something must have really what else could it be? I'm not a I, I mean I, I am a business major. I've never ran a wrestling company. What would it be where Spike TV doesn't want Impact Wrestling anymore? Maybe it also a small bit, the small thing. Could have been since you did bring up Bellator when we did have Tito coming in August first morning, and we had all this build up being like he's not a rock star. Because we were thinking like the whole Twitter, like that Twitter is still around, by the way, about the August first war. So you could see all the tweets about him, like teasing who could it be, and it's not Jericho. The whole it's not Dave Batista. We don't know who it could be, but all these hints be like it could be anyone, and then becomes Tito, and we have Rampage already on the other side, and was going to set up for the Spelltor fight that never happened. So maybe because that fight never happened, we had this buildup and this hope for like whoever August 1st warning was going to be. And it became something that never actually came to fruition to be what they wanted it to be to lead to anything because their fight never happened. So there was no point to it all. And people were like, okay, so you do a whole useless angle that didn't do shit and it just failed and you do nothing with them. Okay. Well, and even so Tito, maybe were like, Tito well, what's the point out, of August 1st warning? And he came out with no muscle definition. He looked awful. He was bald now. It was... Like, oh, this is the worst. Like, you know, how do you hype up an August 1 warning and you get us all ready for something that we think is really going to rock this company and it's Tito Ortiz and we realize, oh, it's just another fucking celebrity collaboration. Like, that's not what we wanted. That's not what we were promised with these promo packages. So I, I went to our friends at Sports Kita. Now, this article is from uh, 2014. This is August or October 9th. Uh, and this is the real reason why Spike TV dropped Impact Wrestling Revealed. So I'm curious because I feel like I must have known this at the time. I was definitely doing a podcast. I was doing Slam of the Week at the time. So I must have been bringing this up somewhere. TV networks are not too sure about striking a deal with TNA. Not just because it's pro wrestling, but because it also has a negative stigma being a show dropped by Spike TV recently. So, okay. So people, yeah, if Spike TV saw a problem with it, it was our highest rated show. TNA, like there's there must be something wrong with TNA. So other networks are wondering why TNA was dropped by Spike TV when the TV ratings were weren't that bad. The show was always drawing between one and one point four million viewers each week. Word around the TV industry reveals that Spike TV only decided to drop Impact Wrestling because of their lack of confidence in TNA's ability to grow in the future as a company. Also, the numbers were declining due to the Vince Russo debacle. And it's hard to argue that the fact that Spike TV dropped the show at just the right time. However, Spike TV have publicly denied Russo being a factor in their decision pulling the plug on the deal. So I don't know what the Russo debacle is entirely. I've never heard that phrase, the Russo debacle. I love that idea, though, that it was one man that tore this whole thing down. But wasn't it during the time when he was like secretly consulting for Impact? I think that was around their time, 2014. Is, is that what they mean, consultant? though? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with him being a consultant? I think it's because, like, what he did before to impact it might be like we could look back, like, what this debacle was, but I think it was during that time when Dixie was on her table giving money to Vince Russo for these ideas that she used because, again, he was a secret consultant. Oh, wow. Sports, sports Keat is all over it. So this was back in August, so this was a few months before. Vince Russo issues an official statement on Spike TV incident and his time in TNA. 
Uh, he had to release an official statement on his website about his time in TNA. As always, there was a mu- there has been much rumor and hearsay and scuttlebutt surrounding certain topics concerning myself, TNA, and Spike TV. At this point in time, having parted ways with TNA and the ability to finally speak freely, there are a few things that I would like to set the record straight on. Number one. Oh my gosh, this, this guy's got some lists, bro. Number one, uh, as I stated earlier this week on the VIP section uh, of some fucking website, um, I was officially hired by John Gaborik or Guburik as a creative consultant on August 24th, 2013, with the plan being that it could lead to a permanent position in the future. At the time of my hiring, the specific instruction laid down to me by Dixie Carter was that if anyone was to find out about a working relationship, okay, so it was like a secret. It would come to an end. I asked why the blanket of secrecy, but never received an answer. After nine months later, when an email that I had accidentally sent out to a third party was brought to the forefront, Gaborik was untruthful in telling the source involved that I had recently that I was recently hired to produce the TNA announcers. So Gaborik uh, then told me that in a recent TV taping that he did indeed tell Spike representative Scott Fishman that I was working with TNA as a consultant. He even went as far as to tell me that Scott was cool with it. Therefore, the story that Spike just found out about my involvement with TNA merely weeks ago, which caused them not to renew their TNA contract, is a mistruth. Spike knew that my TNA presence some six months prior. So, so that already sounds like, you know, and who knows? that I mean, all this sounds so fucking, like, flimsy. So why wouldn't they want Russo to right there? Is it because they didn't like the direction the company was going in? Is it, is, like, what does that mean? And I would have to see because, again, during the time when he was there, he was kind of making negative effects. He wasn't helping the company at all. It was slowly going down and down with Russo. And then I think because, like, his history, they were like, this would not be a great idea for him to be back, especially with some of the people they probably had back in here because Vince Russo was gone. Like, so their talent would probably be like, I'm not going to be here if Russo's working here. Like, if Jim Cornette was even interested in coming back, if Russo was going to be there, he would not be a part of the shit. So there would be people okay. who probably hated Vince Russo because of his ideas of creative. That they were like, oh, Vince Russo's gone. Okay, I'm perfectly happy. I can do this now. And then they found out, oh, he's the consultant. He's been working with you the whole time. So yeah, fuck you. Leave. Well, and I do. So I'm even reading like a little bit more in this article. Like Russo does say that, yes, uh, you know, I'm guilty of trying to work. And the source would receive that email in an effort to protect the witches of my employer. He kind of he he shouldn't have. Ex- they did lie, like they said he wasn't a full time employee, and he and he was. Like he had this secret agreement with Dixie and and Gaborik. So having that little arrangement, and then kind of being caught working, that I mean that was just they were just lying. So I don't know why they were being untruthful. I don't know why the idea to have secrecy. I don't know if that's. Um, I don't know if he had like a bad falling out and maybe he did. Maybe there was something that happened where he, they they just knew like, Hey, Russo can't work here. Or if he does work here, you can't lie about it or try and keep it a secret, which when you're a company like TNA, who is receiving a lot of money from spike TV to produce a fucking wrestling show. uh, Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be hiding something like that. Yeah. Especially hiding that's Vince Russo who, saw a lot of people in whether it be the internet wrestling computer or just the, the casual wrestling computer they can see look back wherever vince russo being the reason for negative shit happening like wcw and some like the worst decisions in impact wrestling history like the last rights match well and then so the so 
calling Russo's comments complete nonsense. So Schwartz, uh, what was that guy's name? David Schwartz with Spike TV. He said, I want to start by saying we enjoyed a great relationship and a very collaborative relationship with Dixie Carter and her team over the years. We took TNA from a late night spot on Saturday nights, which I remember, and they were doing 500,000 viewers. I remember those that era of TNA was part of like, what do they call like the Saturday Night Thrill Zone or something. Um, or I can't remember. Oh, they had a great name for it. But because um, I think ECW was part of the Friday Night Thrill Zone. So I'm pretty sure Impact was part of something else. But Spike went out of its way, not in just adhering to its contract, but above and beyond the contract. We paid Hulk Hogan. We paid Eric Bischoff with our money. We financed many shows. We financed the UK shows. We helped promote. We gave TNA a primetime slot on Thursdays from 9 to 11 p.m. And I think his comments are way off base. Clearly, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's somebody who thinks more of himself than really exists. Vince Russo never meant anything to Spike TV. We had nothing to do with his negotiations. Nobody cares about Vince Russo at Spike TV. Nobody cares or knows who he is. We had we have a great relationship with TNA. We went above and beyond for them, and, and they did for us. Dixie helped promote our shows. What Vince Russo is saying is complete nonsense. So, I mean, that sounds pretty obvious. Like, maybe Russo firing at Spike TV and saying he called them atrocious. And like, later on after that statement that he released, he had more bad things to say about them. But maybe that's what it is. Maybe TNA was putting so much money into this product. And uh, at the end of, like, okay, well, why are we working with this Russo guy who, you know, that hasn't really done anything for us? And, um, but and 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 we've heard that that they paid Hogan and they paid Bischoff and so maybe it was their idea to even bring in these people. So does Hogan deserve hate for that? Spike wanted him, and that's something. Maybe that's the case. And also now thinking back, maybe it was Vince Russo being found out that made Hulk Hogan want to leave. But Hogan left before Vince Russo was found out, right? That was 2014. Yeah, this was, was 2014 out. when the Russo stuff was going down. So Hogan had left in 2013. Yeah, so I don't know like what could have. Like again, if it whether it be like a storyline or something that actually did piss off Owen that made him leave in twenty thirteen and then now finding out the whole Vince Russo stuff, like it was just a whole downward spiral that was starting off, I think, when Hogan left. And then it created like twenty fourteen we found out about Vince Russo, which could have also started like all even more people leaving and people getting fired or just like not wanting to resign like AJ, Bobby Roots, Mojo. Yeah. All these stars that just left because of all this shit. That because who knows what else Dixie Carter and other people are fucking hiding. Especially when the whole Billy Corgan stuff was slowly starting to come to fruition too. Yeah. Who knows what they were gonna fucking hide and lie to the people about. Well, and if you're losing money on your television shows now because Spike TV's not paying for them, and then you get a loan from Billy Corgan, like that's already like the signs are already there, like this whole thing is off the tracks. This isn't the same wrestling company that we all loved. So, man, I, like, I, I can do this all night. I really could like just in, investigate like what happened at this company that went from 2 million viewers to 50,000 viewers. Like That's such a drastic change. And obviously, the talent pool is way different. Like TNA was the place where if you left WWE, you were going to TNA. Like We were excited to see you there. Now that's become AEW. AEW is just that new spot where people show up. AEW sells out arenas. Impact is taping four shows at a time in real like I mean really they're they're in music venues. Like they're really not even in arenas. Like the Bomb Factory here in Dallas is not a, I mean it is a wrestling venue, but you just kind of slap a ring and then put like four rows of chairs around the ring and that's what TNA's doing now. And everyone sent me that that uh Bobby Fish clip where he was cutting that promo. The crowd was just dead. There was nobody there. Nobody wanted to watch this show. 
And I'm one of them now, Gino. I think my TNA fandom is done. It might be done for you, but to me, I'm going to still be watching this show. I'm going to be watching Hard to Kill in January, and I'm going to be hyped to see Bully Ray, Josh Jackson, Deanna Parazzo finally retiring Mickey James, and she comes back to the Virtuosa, and she's going to be in the best shape of her career again. What's the general consensus on war games before we go? Like, did, I, I didn't get to enjoy the companion. I got home a little late, so I had to start the event a little late. Uh, I so I, what is everyone kind of feeling? I know Nathan really loved it. I think a lot of even my coworkers, a lot of them watched it and they loved it. So maybe I was a little tired. Maybe the table nachos have worn off. What is the general consensus about war games? Well, I'm not sure like the general consensus, but I was at, like there is one part of general consensus that I don't agree with, but I know like the spot and I do agree that that was a terrible spot. So the show I feel from top to bottom was enjoyable. We had some really great matches, great stories, but there's the spot in one match that I feel was like the start of this terrible hashtag, but then all their stuff came about with it as well about the fire Ronda Rousey. What was and the terrible was hashtag? What does that mean? There was a hashtag going around like, because it was like a trending yesterday. I think it was her day before a fire Ronda Rousey hashtag fire Ronda Rousey. Okay. And I feel like it first came up because like there was JD from New York bullshit. He was saying as well as, uh, people going back to like her old tweets where she said like, all oh, the Sandy hook shit is a fake conspiracy and her transphobic tweets and her fucking, what was the other thing she did? They get the spot from the Shotzi Blackheart match where she was supposed to take a DDT from the uh, apron, but she was holding the rope. So when Shotzi went over to slam her down, Ronda like just went down and barely even hit her face onto the bucket apron. So like that's the thing. Like there are people who would say like, mm -hmm. oh, she can't work. There's all this stuff like going back into history, be like, oh, she's just a terrible person, and then just some random bullshit being spurred by some random YouTuber, JD from New York. All right. What are the war games matches, Gino? Holy shit. I had no idea that was going to be your response. I asked what was what's the general consensus on war games. I didn't know. Uh, that. I thought you meant Survivor Series. Yeah, I war games, no both idea. war games matches, I felt everyone really was able to enjoy both matches. They were both an incredible showcase of women's talent. Becky Lynch won with the big leg, so Hulk Hogan would be proud, even though Hogan would never do it from a top of a cage. But so that shows Becky Lynch better than Hogan in every single way, but winning with the big leg. Even though then EO after the match like collapsed when she was leaving the cage. So, I always enjoy the matches. I think the matches all were perfect war games matches. Maybe the fourth best WWE war games match of all. I don't know. So I and Kevin brought this up about blood and guts, but the fact that the match doesn't start until everybody's in the cage, like it hit me during this one. Oh my gosh, this is a punch fest. Like it really like just the amount of fake fighting and punching and like it wasn't there wasn't a ton of wrestling moves or like big spots for either one really and, and when people would come in and get their huge you know I'm in the cage I do some awesome moves for a few minutes like 5 minutes turned into a really long time during these matches so I don't know how much I liked them and I want to know like cuz people at work there was one guy at work that actually yeah I agreed with him the most cuz he said like the endings were fun like, cause I thought, yeah, they, they were like, once the match starts, it's pretty fun, but, uh, but it's also, everybody's all laid out from fighting for an hour. So the pinfalls, like it's a it's a 10 man match. Nobody's breaking up these pins when you think they're going to do that. So I, I hated to be like the Debbie downer, but, and, and, and maybe it was me finishing this at like 1am, which for me is incredibly late. Like I don't stay up that late ever. So like I'm, I'm watching like. 
like I, I was watching the War Games match just thinking, like, I don't know, dude. And I could understand that perspective. And it was pretty late for you. And again, having all the time you have to wait, get the first five minutes and the three minutes after every time for the last person till you're waiting for the match to start. It doesn't feel as quick and as like fluid like some of the other ones where it does feel like it's these people actually trying to hurt each other. And it's not just like them doing a couple moves, then punching in the corner. And there were like more stronger showcase of war games matches in NXT's past. And even if we want to go WCW, where we had like other teams based around just a group against another group. But like this, I felt was a decent showcase. Like I said, the fourth best war games match in WWE. Well, why not do elimination for these? Why not have it be elimination? Why do we have to wait? Or why not even wait? Like, let, let's do the wait. Let's wait until everybody's in the cage. And then once that match starts, then it's elimination. Who took the most beating throughout that entire 40 minutes? Who can barely stand and is going to try and survive? Because, I mean, that's Survivor Series anyway. Those Survivor Series elimination matches, which I was shocked that there wasn't one on this card. I mean, that's a Survivor Series tradition to have those matches. And even though in some of the years they didn't really put them together very well, I still always look forward to a good Survivor Series match, five on five, uh, and they did. They had the easy, uh, uh, we'll just say scapegoat of being able to just do Raw SmackDown. Hey, this this team's Raw, this team's SmackDown. Here you go, and they they just can do the obligatory version of that. I like the version, might have been 07 or eight, where it was like there's team captains, like you know DX and versus whoever, and. They could just go to whatever brand they want. So you're just picking heels from ECW and SmackDown and Raw, and they're taking on baby faces. So it was kind of dream match-esque. Like, oh, we don't get to see Raw versus SmackDown all the time, but since it's Survivor Series and it's one of the major four, we're going to mix the brands up a little bit. But I don't know. I thought this this war game and, – and you know what? I'm not going to say I didn't like it because I was definitely sitting there and, like, entertained and intrigued. I just know that men's one at the very end, and it was, like, 1 a.m. I was like, these are long matches – long but they're good matches and that's the whole thing like when we had that ending of the men's match i was like this is emotional this is beautiful the kevin owens sammy say we're building this up continuing their story and it was i thought it was poetic because it was reminiscent to battleground but completely different this time because instead yeah. of the story and even like sammy and paul like explained it's not the same because it was all about betrayal and untrust in like the first one in Battleground. And this time it's same as they show his loyalty and his commitment to what his word is. So he gets to finally be like kind of a baby face, but being in a heel aspect of being himself, being his own man finally after all these years. And, Kevin Owens being the guy that betrays him. And the ending was fantastic. Yeah, everybody liked the, the Sammy, Sammy Zayn betraying Kevin Owens, and it made sense. But I'm still, like, everyone's just laying there. Ridge, like, <laughs> everybody's just kind of taking a nap during that whole bit. Like, oh, I'm so exhausted from punching for 45 minutes. I can't I can't break this. They were up. all dead. Roman killed them all. Roman I, killed them all with spears. Superman, Superman punches, punches. Roman's yeah. the only one left. Yeah. Roman was the one man left besides Kevin Owens and Sammy. Yeah, like that. Maybe that's what it is. Then, like Roman comes in and does some punches and spears, and suddenly it, nobody can do anything ever. Like I don't know. It's just look, great storytelling, right? Sammy and Kevin is all that that match was about. The forty-five minutes didn't matter. Okay, we just wanted to get to that spot, and thankfully we got to it, right? You know. Yes, thankfully we did get to that finish, and I think that was probably the best finish of a war games match in WWE history. Perfect. Let's ride off into that sunset. You know, we are wrestling journalists. We talked a lot about Impact Wrestling tonight because I was reading articles and I was just 
fascinated because uh, I had seen them post something and I just thought, well, this place sucks now. Like it really is no longer even fun to pretend to like it. Cause I think I was doing that for a while. I was trying to portray impact as uh, like the number one company. And th- there was a while where Josh was chasing it when Josh was, was TNA champion and he was trying, or was, when he was X division champion and he was climbing those ranks, it was fun to watch them build a superstar and now I don't think they know how to do that anymore for some reason. I think that they're 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 in this weird state of we're okay being mediocre. We're okay with people coming in for a cup of coffee and then going somewhere else. We're not really trying to build a long-term successful program. We're just worried about this this set of tapings and the next set of tapings. This thing's probably going to end at any minute. So I'm glad we got to discuss Impact Wrestling. Oh, hydrate from reason. Any final words tonight, uh, Gino? I have to say, like, even though you feel impact is not worth watching, like you're not gonna watch it anymore this much as I'm still going to hard to kill. I think it's gonna be the moment that's gonna bring us all back. We're gonna have this big premium live event from Impact. So like, you know what? This is gonna be a great card. Where so far only two matches are pretty much now. It's Bully Ray and Josh Alexander, Deanna Prazo versus Mickey James, because I don't think they're gonna do that match in their December monthly event. They're gonna save that for hard to kill where Deanna kills Bicky's career and she can finally be retired and maybe they just kill her again aren't they aren't they fighting this thursday i thought i saw a graphic they are i know but they need to pull this off like keep it going keep this not just one match have multiple matches and diana gets to be the only one that faces mickey and mickey does not go for the knockouts title because we need to keep masha and jordan grace to have a never-ending fight as well because they're the best women right now we don't need mickey in the title picture don't do that. Oh, Move away got, from that. We don't need have Jordan Marsha. Gray stay champion. And we don't need and we don't need Masha though. That's what's frustrating is Masha's terrible too. So like your solution is getting rid of Mickey James, who's awesome, and then focusing on Masha. Like I don't I don't understand. Mickey James has had like twenty good matches this year, and Masha hasn't had. She's had one. So we're, we're, she's had two. Yeah, she's had two. So, all right, moving on, Gino. Have a great night, my friend. I'll see everyone tomorrow for the whole fucking show. It's going to be an awesome time. I can't wait, Gino. Are you going to be there? Hell yeah, I'm going to be there, man. I'm going to be there <laughs> since I think I have off work. I have I work two dates, so I'll be right here after Dynamite starts. And then I'll be working two dates that next Thursday, so I'll be able to be here for the whole fucking show. It's just part of the show like I was on Monday. 